This is Richard Cloutier Reports on 680 CJOB. Uh, Scott Payne is here, manager of the Asset Management Office and Jesse Crowder, project manager of the Southwest Rapid Transit Way. Uh, the big change is really you're going over as opposed to under, and that's why you're able to save some dollars here. Uh, the corridor right now uh, goes until Jubilee. So let's pick this up. This is about an eight-kilometer journey then uh, from Jubilee that'll take us um, through some different parts of Fort Gary, ultimately to the University of Manitoba. So if we're riding the bus at Jubilee when this is all done, uh, tell us uh, where we're going to be going and whether we're going to be going over or we're going to be stopping at traffic lights. Let's go on that journey here. All right. Well, you start at the end of stage one at Jubilee and you'll be going over Pemina Highway and then uh, under some rail tracks, a couple tracks there and into the Parker lands, which will be at grade and continue through there into turning towards the south and then start to uh, go over, which is one of the innovations that we've talked about, over the CN Latelier tracks and spur lines there. Following that, come back down to grade, and then up and over McGilvery Boulevard, and um, continuing south from there. So we're going to keep, from that point, we'll head into Bishop Grandin, which will be the same thing above Bishop Grandin over the roadway, and then down into, tie into South Park and Markham. On the major roadways, you're going to go over. So Bishop Grandin, Pemina Highway, uh, both parts of Pemina Highway, north by Jubilee and and south towards the University of Manitoba, there's going to be bridges over uh, these roads. But there will, correct? No. Or am I wrong? Pemina and Jubilee, there'll be a bridge over. Okay. So there'll actually be an intersection then on South Pemina Highway. Correct. That South Park and Pemina. Okay. And there'll be other intersections along what? Chevrier? Chevrier in the transit way, Clarence in the transit way, and I believe one more. Chancellor Drive. Chancellor Drive. So other, unlike phase one, which was uh, really an uninterrupted journey, there's going to be interruptions to this journey, but those interruptions are really on um, on local streets. That's correct. Where possible, we tried to ensure that we had uninterrupted service and, and no disruption to those major arteries, as you mentioned, McGilvery, Bishop Grand, and Pamina Highway. Uh, but there are some smaller streets, and uh, those will be controlled with signalized intersections. One of the things, the alignment that we have chosen for this particular stage also eliminates a lot of the other uh, residential intersections that it might have incurred if it had gone down the full CN alignment. So we've tried to optimize the route by eliminating as many at-grade crossings as possible. Are there any tunnels at all in this now? No tunnels. Okay. And that's where the major cost savings are, correct? Two of them, yes. Yeah. One of our most significant costs on the project was a tunnel proposed at the Latelia Crossing where the transitway has to cross three sets of rail lines. And to construct that tunnel, you're obviously digging down and, and affecting groundwater table and having to put in a pump station. Our proponent, our, our contractor, has proposed uh, an overpass and has uh, this is one of their innovations that has saved this, this project significant amounts of money. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to seeing his final plans and the construction of that overpass. How much money does this save then on uh, the second phase of, of rapid transit? Right now, we're looking at a savings of $120 million from our original project estimate, which is very significant for us. And uh, we're very confident that uh, this project will come in 
uh, at 120 million below our budget and even possibly more, uh, depending on how things go. And is the vision then to use those dollars for phase three of rapid transit? Are those dedicated dollars at this point or does that decision still have to be made? That decision still has to be made and that resides with council on how they want to distribute uh, any of those funds or, uh, you know, in, you know, have certain tax implications with it, uh, reduce taxes. That's really a council decision at this point. Construction's already underway, is it not? Not yet. About the middle, middle of August we'll start. What's being done on the site right now? Just prep? Yeah, they're just really, they're just out surveying and doing a little bit of soil testing, but uh, they really can't break ground until they've had their first public information session to inform the public of who they are and what their intentions are, sort of the overall project scope. As well, it's an opportunity for uh, the public that attend to see those innovations and see the drawings that are connected with those innovations. How many transit stops will you have along the way? The transitway has nine stations, uh, seven along the transitway and two at the university. Do we have an idea of how long right now, if you're a University of Manitoba student, let's face it, there's going to be a lot of students taking, uh, taking the bus, they already do, and on rapid transit, a sense of um, at peak periods now, either in morning or in afternoon rush hour, uh, when school is in, is there a sense of how long it takes that journey now to get from the University of Manitoba to Jubilee and how much time ultimately it's going to save through the Southwest Transit Corridor this phase, this next phase? You know, we're, we're confident that it's going to save a fair, noun, fair amount of time. Um, the exact numbers of, of the trip would depend on where that person originated from. You know, one of the things that uh, moving this transitway off Pemina Highway does is it also frees up um, traffic on Pemina Highway and it'll, in fact, change the entire transportation of the south end of Winnipeg uh, over time as more and more people start to take the transitway. So, yes, we, we certainly see a significant savings for those that are going to be taking the bus to the university, but it will really depend on, on where they get on and off the bus. Um, are there going to be any park and ride locations uh, as part of this? There are two park and ride spots. We have uh, Clarence and McGilvery Station both having park and rides. And I believe the other... Well, those are the, basically the two that there are. So Right, and, and those two park and rides um, will serve both the, uh, the commuters on their daily uh, commute to work, uh, but as well when there are events at IGF uh, Stadium, that'll be an opportunity for people to park their cars, hop onto rapid transit, and really get door-to-door uh, service right to the stadium. And again, we have to mention that this will also be open to other feeder routes from the neighborhoods there to come on to the rapid transit way. This is not just an exclusive route that goes all the way to the University of Manitoba. That's where it uh, where it starts or ends. But there's other opportunities for other uh, routes to hop onto that uh, that corridor from uh, the southwest part of the city. Correct. That's correct, Richard. And that is really one of the benefits of a bus rapid transit system because the bus is mobile. And it can go from the transitway itself onto those feeder routes into those neighboring communities in the south part of Winnipeg and as well come back onto the transitway. So although you may not get on a bus uh, right on the transitway, your bus will can eventually connect to the transitway and take you right downtown. Part of what we've seen in phase one, and we're finally seeing the construction in and around Jubilee, of uh, associated development. We've got uh, condominiums and the, the vision is is to have apartments and, and development in and around those transit hubs areas, more density. Is that going to happen in phase two? Are we going to see more density? I know the University of Manitoba is looking at housing in and around the old uh, south, uh, uh, south uh, golf course there uh, in and around uh, Investors Group Field. 
But are we going to see any other development in and around that transitway as it goes uh, through Fort Gary? Yes, we see a number of opportunities that exist along our transitway for development, for high-density development. One of them, as you mentioned, is in the former Southwood Golf Course. We've been working with the university to ensure that our plans, our design, uh, is is incorporating what they want to do long-term. So we see the opportunity there. In addition, the former sugar beet lands, which are currently being cleaned up right now, is proposed for high-density development as well. And we know that the developer is, is becoming more active in in proposing and planning that particular parcel of land. And further to the north, there's also the, in the park area, there's some uh, development, uh, developable lands that are certainly um, being considered for high density. I know the plans and the planning is underway for that. The timing of that, we're not sure, but there's definitely lots of opportunity here. I I wonder though that in the first place we talk tunnel, now we're talking overpasses. Why wouldn't talk overpasses when we first came up with this plan that, you know, this is the afterthought and the proponent, uh, the builder says, you know what, we could do overpasses here. Well, why didn't we save this money to begin with? You know, that's a good question. And we're, I think this is where the power of the P3 process comes in. You start to utilize some of the best engineering minds right across North America. They're, they're all working together to try and innovative ways to refine what we had, uh, Previously de- the P3 developed. process being private-public partnership Correct. that this is being built under. Right. So we've seen a lot of uh, external engineering firms participating in the development of this project, and they've taken a very close look at all the options and innovations that occur right across Canada, and they build them into their proposals. As well, they also have uh, the ability to go to some of their stakeholders, Manitoba Hydro being one of them, to work with them to... Uh, encourage them to realign different uh, elements of their infrastructure that make that overpass uh, uh, operational and, and functional in the end of the day. Scott Payne, Jesse Crowder from Winnipeg Trend. Richard Cloutier reports on 680 CJOB.